Hello, church. Would you pray with me right now? Father in heaven, we ask your presence to be here with us in every room, in every group, in every situation. May your spirit be there and may you inspire us, tug our hearts, and help us to be just a little bit more ready for your soon return. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some years ago, I uh, had the privilege to go uh, with Nancy to a church in Pennsylvania, in Wernersville, Pennsylvania. It was actually a church that met on Sunday mornings, and it was a church specifically for people that were uh, in... Um, uh, that, that, that were overcoming addictions. This was uh, a foundation called the Karen Foundation. And uh, Nancy had been there before, and she had warned me, listen, this is a little unorthodox, this is a little different. It's going to feel different. It's going to seem different. Uh, the music is a little unique. Uh, the pastor is unique. Uh, but trust me, you will get so much out of it. And I was like, I'm all in. Let's go for it, you know. And so we went that one Sunday morning, and uh, I, I guess the tissue boxes strategically positioned in the aisles should have been a hint for me uh, as I began to move into my seat. And I'm actually on the outside seat, and there's a tissue box right there. And I'm thinking, huh, what's with the tissue boxes? And... Um, and I thought, well, you know, we'll just go ahead and see. And, and the service begins, and this very energetic pastor comes out. Uh, he begins to say a few things, and uh, you could just tell he speaks in a very relevant way, and you could tell he's been doing this for quite some time. And as he speaks, he begins to invite people that have been through the program, that are graduating the program, that have overcome their addictions, to come up and give their testimony. And the first one was the graduate, is a grown man, and he began to talk about how his roommate uh, that he was going through the program with had committed suicide just a few weeks before. He talked about how he was one year clean and that he promised himself that he would never get to that same point as his roommate, as he mourned his roommate. And I began already to understand the reason for the tissue boxes in the aisle. But I fought it back. I'm a man. I'm not going to cry in church. The next was a group of four young adults. They come up. They got dreadlocks. And uh, you can just tell they, they look tough. Tattoos. Uh, piercings everywhere, and they talk about their journey, and, and they talk about how they, they are now one year clean, and they're excited about being able to make something out of their lives, and at the end, they give these big warm embraces to each other, and they're in it together. They're going to stick it out together. It was, it was really, really heartwarming, and still no tears, and then next, two teenage girls came up, and they begin to talk very... Uh, What's the word I want to, I'm looking for? Very, uh, just seriously. 
somberly about their journey, about their realization of the pain that they caused and the remorse that they had because of the pain that they caused. And as, it's as if they were talking to their family, although their family, I'm not sure, were there or not. But they were talking and they began to cry and, and to talk about all the pain that they caused. And, but that they had made this commitment that they now were one year clean and they were looking forward to a new life and asked for forgiveness. It was powerful. And then after that, and I think this is when it began for me, a guy named Tony, an Italian guy, a young man, gets up and he starts talking, short guy, really muscular. He starts talking about his journey and, 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 and his parents were not there, but, but he, he wanted to recognize someone that he called Aunt Fun. And Aunt Fun was there because this was the aunt that always allowed him to have some fun as he grew up. And then, and then he, he talked to somebody named Aunt Hope. This was the, the aunt that gave him hope. This was the aunt that encouraged them. And he talked about all these different people in his life. And uh, uh, just one of them stood up and began to applaud. You know, I'm proud of you, Tony. And Tony was like, yes, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And I remember thinking, man, this is just unbelievable. This is really, uh, there was a part of me that said, this is the way church ought to be. Because church is a place where broken people come and they get fixed. Church is a place where they come, and, and, and no matter how broken they are, no matter what they're going through, Jesus is there to bring healing to them. And it's real, and it's, it's alive, it's vibrant. And then it happened. A little boy and a little girl, Amy and Joey, they got up. They were only seven and eight years old. I'm thinking, these people can't be going through the program. They can't be addicts. What's going on with them? What they were actually doing is they got up to talk to their dad who had just gone through the program. Daddy, we love you. The little girl, Amy, Daddy, I am so proud of you for going through this program. It was then that I reached for the tissue box. And I began to slowly take out the tissues and talk about how my allergies were acting up, really, is what's going on there. And then little Joey, Daddy, I love you. I love you. Daddy, please, please, I beg you, Daddy, don't drink again. Will you promise? Will you promise me? And Dad's going, yes, I promise. And then he gets up and they embrace. And it was just, just please promise, please promise. I'll never forget that moment. It made me think about me and, and, and my daughter and, and the promises that I had made to her and was going to make to her from that moment on. And she was young at the time. I want, I want us to consider promises right now as we talk about what we're going to be sharing today. A few things in life are as anchoring as the assurance of reliability, the confidence of dependability, knowing that a promise is kept. Some of the most persuasive words in my daughter's vocabulary when she was young was, but daddy, you promised. Did I, was, did I promise? Or was it just good intention? I'm going through mental gymnastics here. Is, what, what was it? I, I don't remember. Was this really a promise? And then suddenly I began to realize, you know, this is what she's really thinking. Is, is dad dependable? 
Can I count on him? I realized early on that how I routinely, routinely responded will have formulate the trust or distrust in, in our Heavenly Father later on. Not just in me, but in our Heavenly Father. And so I just kept at it, and I just kept trying to do my best, not only to uh, make seldom promises, but when I made those promises, to keep them. She's now in her 30s, and by now she knows that the infinite is much more trustworthy, that the promises of God far exceed the reliability of my human feeble efforts. And I'm thankful for that. So how is it with you? Do you still believe in God's promises? Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's a promise. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That is a promise in the Bible. And then in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, for many I know this is one of your favorite texts, and it goes like this, For I know the plans I have for you. And if you don't mind, I'm going to put the name Sergio in there. For I know the plans I have for you, Sergio. For I know the plans I have for you, Jason. For I know the plans I have for you, Charlie. For I know the plans I have for you, Becky. Put your own name in there. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But this is what his promise is. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I don't know about you, but I want to ask this question because I know it's been a, a challenge in my life at times. Less and less so as I grow in faith, but, but still, I struggle with it. Have you ever wondered, have you ever felt that God perhaps doesn't keep his word? Have you ever wondered that he might not come through the way you thought he said he would? Our prayers for a rebellious child or an unsaved spouse seem to go unanswered. Or a friend dies of cancer. Inflation chews out our paycheck and we're wondering where the money is going. Crime and cruelty is constantly on the rise. You can't even turn on the news anymore. It's just like, turn it off. Terrorism plagues the world. Pandemic. Hurricanes. Half of the world is on fire. And Jesus hasn't come back yet. Where is the harvest that you promised God? When will you meet my needs? When will you meet our needs like you promised? Where is that hope and future you talked about? I mean, there are times when I want to say, Dad, you promised. Hey, hey Dad, is the deal still on? I, I mean, are you still going to be doing this? Well, I want you to know you're not alone if you're feeling this way. All through the Bible, God's people have struggled with moments of uncertainty. All the way from the beginning, Adam and Eve, they were promised, if you don't eat from this fruit, you will live forever. But if you eat of this fruit, and sure enough, they did. And after the fall, God's amazing grace unfolds 
redemption plan, promised of the seed, hope renewed, and then the animal sacrifice. And they're clothed by God. And there's this expectation of the Messiah child to be born. And then Cain is born. And Eve is like, is this the one? And it's not. And then Abel is born. Is this the one? No, it's not. And then as time goes on, one day Cain kills Abel. And hope is shattered again. And a cold night with tears in their eyes, Adam and Eve are there saying, God, well, you promised. Is the deal still on? I mean, are we still doing this like you said? And then they die, just as God promised. And as time goes on, the Bible tells us that God saw that human evil was out of control, that people thought evil, imagined evil, caused evil from morning to night. And so he raises a man called Noah. And he tells Noah, build a ship, preach the word, and invite them all. Build a ship, preach the word, and invite them all. And so Noah built, and Noah preached, and Noah invited, and Noah built, and Noah preached, and Noah invited for 120 years. Can you imagine every year going by, Noah's thinking, Lord, is the deal still on? I mean, I know you said, you know, this is a big flood and stuff, but can you imagine I'm on the 120th year being ridiculed, laughed at, only he and his family enter the ark, and the door is shut, and no more could get in, and no one can get out. And the floods came. 365 days stuck in the ark. And then they come out. Is the deal still on? And God said, come out of the ark. And they see this rainbow out there and hope renewed. As if God was saying, yes, the deal is still on. And as time went on, God repeated the promise of the coming one over and over again. Until one day, there was a guy by the name of Abraham and a woman named Sarah. And God said to Abraham, go where I send you. Make I'm going to make a great nation of you. You're, you're going to, you're, it's going to be amazing what I'm going to do. And, and, and Abraham is excited about this. And time goes on and events shape history. And he realizes, I'm not a young man anymore. A God. One day he goes outside. He goes, remember what you promised me when I left the land of Ur? I mean, uh, is the deal still on? I love this. God takes Abraham outside and it's a splendid stellar evening. And he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to count every star in the sky. And Abraham is obedient. He's like, all right, one, two, three. And God says, no, 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 no. That was rhetorical. Can you count the stars? No way. There's too many. That's how many people will be your descendants, God says. Pope renewed. One day Isaac is born. And Isaac has Jacob. And Jacob has Joseph. And Egypt becomes this powerful nation. And Abraham's Descendants still looking for a place to hammer in their tent pegs permanently, trying to figure out what to do. And Joseph has this God-sent dream, a redemption dream, a reminder of redemption. And Joseph is to be living a living metaphor of the coming Messiah. He doesn't know that yet, 
But he knows that this is a special dream from God. And he shares the dream, and maybe he shouldn't have. Because instead of the dream, right then and there, he goes from being cherished to a pit. From a pit to slavery. And from slavery to a rat-infested dungeon. And from there on his knees. What happened to my calling, God? My career? What happened to my family? What happened to my dream? Is the deal still on, God? I mean, but what did you, didn't you tell me you were going to do this? And God once again came through. And prosperity and protection for God's people, hope renewed. Read about it in the Bible. It's an amazing story. And then the Bible says that a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph arise, and God's people became slaves. Oh, here we go again. And they're crying out, God, we were supposed to be your people. Is the deal still on? And one day, a little baby named Moses is born. He was the Messiah reminder, revisited, hope renewed, hidden, spared, raised as a prince. And then after some destined turn of events, the Bible tells us that Moses refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated along with God's people. Burning bush, promised deliverance, let my people go, hope renewed. Plagues. Blood on the doorpost. Freedom at last. And then on the shores between the sea and the army, they're wondering if they're ever going to make this, if they're going to be alive. And they're sitting there on that seashore. And I can hear some of them still today say, Hey God, wait a minute. You didn't rescue us just for kill us out here. Is the deal still on? God parts the water, and on their way to the promised land, God says yes. The history of God's people is marred by distrust, and it continues. And God is trying to teach them and guide them. They want a king, and they have Saul. And then in, in his great mercy, he anoints David as king. And king also, David also, once again, God's memo of sovereign deliverance, but not yet, not the Messiah yet, not the promised one yet. For ages, from Abraham to Jeremiah, from Isaiah to Malachi, God's people had echoed the cry, is the deal still on? Is the deal? Every mother in Israel hoping their sons would be the one. And one day, a poor young Middle Eastern teenager, girl, receives the news. And this is what she hears, Luke 11 uh, rather, Luke 1, 30-33, an angel speaks to her and says, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. As if God was trumpeting it from heaven. Yes, 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 the deal is still on. What took so long? God says it in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. This is what he says. He says, but when the set time had fully come, some versions say when the fullness of the time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoptions to sonship. 
when the set time had fully come. That gives us a suggestion, a hint, that God has set times. And when that set time comes, not before, not later, when that time comes, God's timing is perfect. Like the appointed path of the stars in the skies, God's purposes know no haste and no delay. And for more than 30 years on this earth, we were graced by the presence of God, walking amongst us, riding donkeys, preaching the word. He grew up among us. He prayed among us. He played among us. He healed the brokenhearted and set the captives free. He taught, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I will not leave you orphans. These are my promises to you. And the disciples followed them. And the disciples became strong. And then one day, they arrested him. And they took him away, falsely accused, mistreated, ridiculed, beaten, spat upon, crucified. And then he cries these words, it is finished. And the disciples are like, well, wait a minute, Jesus. You promised. What do you mean it is finished? Is the deal still on? Are we still doing this? What is going on here? Like, come on, how many more years? What is happening? And then resurrection morning comes. And Mary crying so hard that she cannot recognize him. Is the deal still on? And then she hears the word Mary. And then he tells his disciples, I will be with you always. Yes, the deal is still on. And as we've studied through the book of Acts these last few weeks and months, we learned about this unstoppable church that was inspired by those words. And today, we still have a church. 2,000 years after, some of us are still going strong. Some of us still moving forward. Is the deal still on, God? Oh, yes, my friends. The deal is still on. God is still in the business of keeping his promises. When God promises, he delivers. He says, I will never leave you in Hebrews. In Genesis, he says, I am your shield. In Isaiah, he says, I will strengthen you. In, in 1 John, he says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. These are his promises. God's faithfulness. He says, because of the Lord's great love, because of the Lord's great love, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His compassions never fail. Some years ago, a famous radio evangelist received a letter from an old man who was very ill. I'd like to read you a part of this letter, if you would allow me to. And it goes like this. Next weekend, you are to talk about heaven. I am interested in that land because I have held the clear title to a bit of property there for over 55 years. I did not buy it. It was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at a tremendous sacrifice. The title is not transferable. 
It is not a vacant lot for more than a half a century. I have trusted the greatest architect and builder of the universe. And he has been building a home for me, which will never need to be repaired. Termites can never undermine its foundation, for they rest upon the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks or bolts will ever be placed upon its doors, for no wish, vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands. Now, almost completed and ready for me to enter and abide in peace eternally without fear of being ejected. There is a valley of deep shadow between the place where I live and that to which I shall journey in a very short time. I cannot reach my home in the city of God without passing through the dark valley of shadows. But I am not afraid because the best friend that I have had went through the same valley a long, long time ago and he drove away the gloom. He has stuck by me through thick and thin since we first became acquainted 55 years ago. And I hold his promise in printed form, never to forsake, nor to leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadows, and I shall not lose my way when he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon on heaven next week from my home, but I, but I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has no date marked for the journey, no return coupon, and no permit for baggage. Yes, I am ready, Pastor, to go. I may not be here while you are talking next week, but I shall meet you there one day, and we will be there together. We are told that he died two days after he wrote that letter. <laughs> you know, the world is hurting there is so much going on right now. I am amazed that some of us are even being able to keep it together. We have learned to filter so that we don't have to worry or, or, or be in too much pain. But not all of us are good at it. The wounds are almost too painful. I was looking through Facebook the other day it's a former student. I'm going to call him Mark. That's not his real name, but I'm going to call him Mark. And Mark was this bright, uh, still is, by the way. He was a very creative uh, person. He, he, he would join the, the, the drama club, and, and he would act in such an amazing way. And every time there was a, a, a camp, he was just the most creative person there. Had the most amazing creative ideas. Just had a brilliant mind. <clears throat> and this is all he wrote. And, and I would have never expected to hear this from Mark. But he wrote these words. I'm going to quote. He says, I have no idea where I fit in this world. Man, I wish I could tell you that this is the first time and only time that I've ever heard somebody say that. But I hear this over and over again. People losing sense of purpose. Wondering if they really fit 
And my response to Mark, and by the way, there were so many amazing, beautiful response from former classmates and former teachers of this young man, and, and uh, I guess some current friends who kept encouraging me, some amazing, beautiful things that were said. And this is what I wrote. Mark, before you were born, there has never been a Mark with your DNA and your thumbprint. When you're gone, there will never be another like you with your personality, perspectives, and experiences. Mark, I am convinced that God has put you on this earth to express his love in a way that no one else ever has and no one else ever will. Mark, you matter. Whoever you are, as you're listening to this sermon, if you're watching it on the internet, just listen to me when I tell you this. You matter. There is no one that God created that does not matter to him. Every one of us is important. And then I finished with this. I said, and the truth is, there is a very good reason why you feel this way. And C.S. Lewis said it best. And I quoted a very famous C.S. Lewis quote. And it goes like this. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Mark, you were made for another world. I was made for another world. That is why we don't feel like we fit. But we matter. It is not that we don't fit in this world. It's that this world doesn't fit in us. And so, you too have been invited into the story of God. From Adam and Eve all the way to Mark. You have a part to play, and it's your very own unique part. You too have a clear title given to you without money and without price, but with a tremendous sacrifice paid by the one. You have no idea what hangs in the balance of your decision to embrace the burden God has put on your heart, and you matter. And the next time you find yourself saying, God, what is going on? Is the deal still on? Here's what I would read to you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 to 37. Listen to what it says. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Do you believe it? For in just a very little while, how long? Just a little while. He who is coming will come and will not delay. That is the promise. And just as he has kept this promise all throughout history, he's going to keep this promise too. How about you? Are you faithful to the hope? Are you true to the promise to live for him? How do you respond when God says to you, Hey, hey, is the deal still on? Because I would miss you terribly. In heaven, stay with me, walk with me. That's what God's 
cry is for each and every one of us. May we believe his promises. May we walk with him faithfully. And may we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the deal is still on. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the way you have guided us and how you have preserved these stories throughout history to help us to remind us that we're not the only ones going through stuff, Lord. That all throughout history, people have gone through stuff and all throughout history, even some of the most amazing believers, some of the most amazing men and women of faith have cried, Lord, is the deal still on? And yet, we do too sometimes, and Lord, we pray for forgiveness of that. But thank you for reminding us that you always come through. Thank you for reminding us that at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, sin will not rise a second time. Thank you, Lord, for these promises. And thank you that in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you.